Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's show, I wanted to visit the doctrine associated with what we call the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. And many of you that are listening to me on the radio have heard this term, the Trinity. You may have witnessed it being used in the classroom uh, within sermons within other Christian environments. And you might have asked yourself, what is this doctrine called the Trinity? And then others use it on a regular basis, but really don't have a deeper understanding of what scripture is saying in terms of the Trinity. It's much more than just simply singing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's true. But what more can we say about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? So this doctrine of the Trinity is a doctrine that's been very contentious over the years in terms of its understanding. Uh, It's been controversial within some circles. Some cults have a misunderstanding of what we believe as Christians about the Trinity. Jehovah Witnesses, as an example, accuse us of using a pagan doctrine and bringing it into uh, the realm of Christianity, which is not true. Uh, They also accuse us of not understanding or not uh, basically being hermeneutically correct in our view of what the Trinity is, uh, that we, in a sense, are endorsing the belief in three gods, which is not true. So today's episode, it is my hope that we can get a better understanding of what the Trinity is versus what it is not. About 20 plus years ago, we used to be part of a street witnessing ministry at St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church under the leadership of Pastor Ephraim Williams. And it was during these ministry opportunities that we ran into various cults and groups that were outside of the Christian family. And in our dialogue with them, we soon realized that even though they may use the same terminologies that we use to describe certain doctrines, in many cases, they did not, when I say they, I'm talking about the specific group that we were dealing with, whether it was Mormons or whether it was uh, Islam or whether it was Nation of Islam, it didn't matter Uh, In many cases, we will use the same terms, but we soon realized that 
uh, we had different connotations as it relates to these terms. And one of the terms that was continuously misunderstood in terms of their definition of it was the Trinity. And I must admit, as uh, before we go any further, that the Trinity is a mystery. The Trinity falls under the heading of a, of a mystery. And as I've said previous times before, mysteries are God alone. Mystery is knowledge that belongs to God and his uh, providential wisdom. And mysteries are not intended to be solved like crossword puzzles. They are intended to be meditated upon. And mysteries are not illogical. They transcend logic. So mysteries, again, are is knowledge that belongs to God alone. And because God is infinite and we are finite, we are incapable of understanding these mis, uh, mysteries. So uh, those are things that we as believers have to uh, rely totally on God in terms of uh, him leading us and him guiding us because he knows more than we do. And when it, as it relates to the Trinity, the question is, how can you have one God, but yet you have three persons in the Bible called God and not have three gods? And that's what the Jehovah Witnesses uh, struggle with. They claim that we worship three gods, that we are advocating polytheism, which is not the case. And hopefully, as we go through this lesson on the Trinity, you gain a clearer understanding of what the Trinity is versus what it is not. So one of the most important doctrines associated with our Christian faith is this doctrine of the Trinity. As a new convert, uh, this, this, this term was uh, mentioned numerous times. We, uh, I used it, I regurgitated, and I contextualized it the way that other new converts were uh, talking about it. But I really didn't have a full understanding of it. I was still on milk. But before we begin uh, this presentation, I think it's important uh, that we first define this doctrine that we call the Trinity. So within the nature of the one God, there are three distinct persons. There is God, the father, God, the son and God, the spirit. All three are co-equal and co-eternal. The father is not the son. The son is not the father. The father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the son, nor is the Holy Spirit the father. They are distinct. But yet we don't have three gods. We have one God who's revealed himself in three persons. The usage of the term Trinity dates all the way back to the second century. And the earliest usage that we find in terms of this word 
uh, can be found in the writings of our early church father and apologist Theophilus of Antioch. And he lived uh, around 170 A.D. Again, the uh, oldest extant manuscript that we have, which includes the word Trinity, belongs to Theophilus of Antioch. Now, in his work, Apology to Autocles, he documents his pagan roots as well as his conversion to Christianity and his commentary concerning God's creation. He chose to use the Greek word trias, which is translated in Latin as Trinitas and in English as Trinity. So Theophilus of Antioch in the second century used the word Trinity in describing God's work as it relates to nature. So he quotes or he writes, there's God, his word and his wisdom, which buttress the fact that early Christians had a triune concept of God. This is not a new doctrine that was created by, um, by the contemporary church. But this doctrine of the Trinity has been part of the fiber of Christian heritage for numerous centuries. It just didn't come on the scene. It's, it's, it's been understood. It's been revealed through scripture to these men early in the infancy of the church. And my plea to you is to search the scriptures for yourself. And if you search the scriptures, you too will understand this doctrine that we call the Trinity. And even if you don't want to call it the Trinity, maybe you want to call, call it the doctrine of uh, the three in oneness, the doctrine of the triune God, whatever you label it, doesn't matter. This doctrine still exists in the Bible. And the reason why I'm harping on this is because you will run into uh, some individuals and they will boldly proclaim that this doctrine is not biblical because we can't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Well, the problem with this argument is even if you didn't use the term Trinity, the doctrine still exists in Scripture. And secondly, my argument is uh, the Bible, the word Bible is not found in the Bible either, but we know what it references. So in the same way, we will learn why this term was used to describe this doctrine. So the doctrine already exists in scripture. We need to understand what this doctrine is. And if you choose to call it God in threeness or three in oneness, whatever title you choose, it really doesn't matter that much because that doctrine is still in the Bible. And whether I agree with it or you agree with it, it doesn't matter. It's still in the scripture. And if God has revealed this revelation about his own essence, then we need to agree with God and do uh, what we need to do 
to make sure that we are in alignment with him. So let's move on on the discussion in relation to the historicity of this word Trinity. So we talked about uh, the early church father, Theophilus, uh, who included uh, the, the, the word uh, Trinity in his writing. And that word, as we said before, uh, originates from the Greek word trias, which is uh, also found in Latin as Trinitas and in English as the Trinity. So Theophilus' work using the term Trinity in association with God, uh, his word and his wisdom really reinforces this fact that this word has been with us in terms of the early Christian church uh, from the beginning. In addition, the term Trinity is often associated with another one of our early church fathers uh, by the name of Tertullian. And Tertullian lived in the second century uh, as well, uh, circa A.D. 190. Now, Tertullian used the Latin form Trinitas to convey the idea of a triune God uh, in his writing against the uh, monarchianism. Uh, uh, he affirmed the Christian belief of the Trinity. So while monarchianism erased or blurred the line between the, the distinction within the Godhead, Tertullian taught that God indeed uh, was one and, um, he had uh, uh, revealed himself as three persons. So Tertullian, again, uh, argued against monarchianism. And he, he basically buttressed this belief that there is plurality within the Godhead, but not three gods, one God, but yet three persons. So in order to describe God's nature based on biblical revelation, he used the Latin term Trinitas, which we translate as the Trinity. Then we find the same teachings from other church fathers. Hippolytus, who was a disciple of Irenaeus, also upheld the orthodox view of the Trinity in his writings. So he also used uh, the Trinity in his writing. And by the way, uh, Hippolytus comes from a great legacy in terms of his tutelage, his Christian upbringing. His teacher was Irenaeus, and Irenaeus' teacher was Polycarp, and Polycarp's teacher was John, uh, uh, the Apostle John himself. So from the Apostle John, uh, who was the teacher and mentor to Polycarp, and Polycarp um, mentored Irenaeus, and Irenaeus in turn mentored uh, Hippolytus. So as Christians, we come from a great succession of apologists who represented God well, who struggle with some of the doctrines that we take for granted in, in sense of articulating what the Bible is saying. Uh, many of us take these things for granted, but in the beginning, even though the, the scriptures taught these things, the church had to come up with 
the words to convey the biblical meaning that God was trying to convey to us. It's always been in scripture, but trying to relay uh, this uh, teaching to the rest of the church uh, was sometimes not as easy as we think it, it ought it ought have been. And at the same time, in the first century, we must not forget the church had to draw the lines between orthodoxy and and heresy. And one of the main movements, Gnosticism, uh, which comes from the Greek word gnosis, uh, which means knowledge, uh, they were gaining momentum uh, with a few uh, individuals. So the church had to draw the line to deal with these type of heresies. And in, in various Gnostic groups, uh, they were preaching against uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. They were preaching against some of the major doctrines that the church held uh, as, as relevant, as important. So it's vitally essential that we know what the doctrines are so that we can com communicate that to our loved ones, our, our children, our parents, um, our family members, our co-workers, uh, those that God puts us in contact with, because if the Christians are not able to properly articulate what these doctrines are, then how will the rest of uh, the world know what these doctrines mean? So it's important that we, sh we are able to answer these questions when they are posed to us. Again, first Peter three fifteen tells us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be Always ready to give each man and woman a reason for the hope that lies within us. And we should do it with gentleness and respect. So Hippolytus uh, did a great job of uh, conveying what the Trinity uh, meant and, and what we should do in terms of our beliefs concerning the Trinitarian doctrine. So before I go any further, uh, just want to make sure that we fully understand that in the Trinity, we're saying there's one God, one God who's revealed himself in three persons, but yet three distinct persons. You can't combine and fuse them together uh, like modalism, where modalism uh, taught that God, the father became the son and the son then became the Holy Spirit. That is a, that's a heretical doctrine. It blurs the, the, the distinction within the Godhead. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, we find during the baptism of Jesus that uh, Jesus is there. The, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove. And God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Sibelianism, uh, or what they call modalism, was a heresy that the early church opposed and dealt with a long time ago. So, the term Trinity is also associated with um, one of uh, our early church fathers, as I indicated before, uh, Tertullian, who also lived in the second century. And Tertullian. Uh, used the Latin form to convey the idea of a triune Godhead. And again, as he wrote concerning monarchianism, he affirmed the 
biblical and orthodox view of the Trinity. So it's important for all believers to have a firm grasp on this glossary term that we use. Words such as maybe propitiation, sanctification, atonement, and a host of other church terms must be studied and investigated for your own edification. It's not enough for us to nod our heads to to terms that we have no idea what they mean. And many of us are guilty. Many of us have been guilty and we must not uh, set our pews. We must not set our eyes on ignorance. God wants us to study. My pastor always tells uh, our congregation to study it for yourself. Check it out for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. Investigate, read, study. These are the things the Bible tells us to do. So it's very important when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity that you understand what it means. Even the Jehovah Witnesses also affirm the word Trinity, but they have a totally different meaning. Other groups outside of the Christian, uh, outside of Christian groups, uh, they also have uh, the word Trinity in their vocabulary. But the question is, what do they mean by this word Trinity? And if it doesn't correspond to biblical truth, then it's false. So again, investigate uh, the glossary terms that we are uh, that we are exposed to when we go to church. So the word Trinity was used by the early church fathers as a referent for a doctrine which already existed. Now let us take a look at some of the scriptures which captures the doctrine of the uh, of the Trinity in terms of the plurality of the Godhead, and because. Uh, we are already running short on time. We will continue this message, God willing, uh, that we all get a better understanding of what God is trying to convey to us. We find uh, several passages in Scripture. There are several of them. There are hundreds of Scriptures that allude to the plurality in the Godhead. Uh, one such scripture is Genesis one twenty six, and really that's the only passage we have time for in this episode. And Genesis one twenty six basically says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. And I want to highlight, then God said, let us make man in our image. That word in the Hebrew, God, for God is Elohim. And that is a plural form of God. So who is God talking to? He certainly wasn't talking about man. Man did not was, uh, did not create um, the, the world or the universe. He certainly wasn't talking to angels. So again, we find a plurality demonstrating the Trinity. So I pray that we got something out of today's uh, lesson. We will continue next week with the continuation of introduction to the Trinity. May God bless you and may you be a blessing at your local church as well as in the community. Stand up to defend the gospel. 
Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yates. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.